Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. I'm Joe Donahue, and I'll be joined this week by recurring guests on the pod, Lee Wingate and Tom Midler of the other Bundesliga podcast and the Sweeper pod, um, the foremost and most exhaustive English language resource on Austrian football, as well as other leagues around European football. Um, they're both with me here today in the virtual studio. Um, gents, welcome back to the pod. Um, about a year since we last recorded one of these, but as is often the case in, in Austrian football, which we're going to discuss today, um, especially in terms of personnel, um, it's been it's been all changed really, hasn't it? Yeah, hi. Thanks again for the invite, Joe. Nice to be back on the Scouted Football Pod. Yeah, it's the same sort of situation, especially at Salzburg. Lots of turnover of players, lots of new faces, and, and I guess lots of lots of players for us to discuss today as well. Yeah, to to any new listeners, you know, you two and uh, along with your your, your colleagues, uh, you've been covering Austrian football and, and living in the country for for several years now. Um, you know, who and what has been sort of the most fun, most most striking to follow in that time? Whether it be sort of you know your your Erling Haaland's at Salzburg or Valerian Ismail at, at Lasko, what what has been the what have been some of the highlights? I think we get a new one sort of every. 12 to 18 months, which is one of the things that's really nice about this league. Um, Erling Haaland, as you mentioned, has to be one of the biggest, you know, to see him from being a fringe player at Salzburg to then making that breakthrough and looking suddenly very good and then moving on. And now we're seeing it happen again with Rasmus Hoyland, who just scored five in two for Denmark um, in his first two internationals. So it's really nice to see that happening. And you're right to mention it on the managerial side as well, because it's also the likes of Oliver Glasner, who were kind of cutting their teeth in the second division, won the second division here, moved up into the first division, did really well. And then he's gone on and now won the Europa League as a manager. So there's sort of, uh, stars and, and people breaking through in the football scene on the pitch, off the pitch. Uh, and a lot of them are coming through Austria. So it's really nice to just be able to see them at that early stage. And it's always fun to predict who are going to be the next ones in that kind of bracket. Mm, absolutely. And and I suppose, you know, it, we should probably begin with, with FC Red Bull Salzburg because they are, of course, the, the dominant side in the country, funded, backed and bankrolled by the, the energy drink giant. Um, it's actually 10 years, I think, isn't it, since a different club lifted the title in Austria, um, Salzburg having won the past nine in a row. Um, as I say, it's probably the place to begin, you know, currently top of the table uh, as the league splits into the championship and relegation groups, um, top six and bottom six, for those who aren't familiar. Um, but led by Matthias Jassler, uh, only 34 years old himself, so very much falling within that scouted managerial category. Um, it's one of the youngest average squads in, in Europe due to that philosophy of, of buying up young players who, for the, the most part, treat Salzburg as a, as a finishing school before going on to Europe's top five leagues. Um, this season, who are some of the, the standouts in this, this Salzburg team? And, and you know, how much changes has the starting eleven really undergone since last summer? It has undergone a lot of change. I think that's par for the course at Salzburg. They're used to having their young players sort of snipped up by Europe's elite. And so there were quite a few notable figures that left the club last summer. You know, you had Joe, you yourself covering Leeds. You'll know that Brendan Aronson and, and um, Max Verber have both gone to Leeds. Rasmus Christensen as well. I think they've half of the players seem to have departed for, for Leeds. Um, and then you've got the likes of Karim Adeyemi, Borussia Dortmund, Mohamed Kamara, who left for Monaco. So these were really important players within the Salzburg setup. And they just seem to have done their usual by promoting some players from feeder club Liefering and signing a few talented youngsters from, from across Europe who they've had on their radar. I'd probably point to Luca Gornaduas, the holding midfielder, who they brought in from Saint-Étienne. 
he is Austria's record signing, I think around 13 million euro. Then you've got the likes of Strahinja Pavlovic, who some of the listeners may have seen playing for Serbia at the World Cup. Oscar Gloch recently coming in from Israel. Uh, Fernando from, from Shakhtar Donetsk. There has been quite a lot of ins and outs over the, um, over the course of this season. Yeah, Tom, I mean, in, in terms of the Matthias Jasler as well, um, you know, the, 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 he's obviously a very young coach, but seems to have done relatively well so far. I mean, they, they, they had a good run in the Champions League last season in his first full campaign in charge. Um, you know, this year, they're, they're obviously top of the league again. Um, you know, is, it, w- what's the, the outlook on, on him sort of in Austrian football? Because I know he came through uh, rather with, with Liefering as well um, before he took the, the Salzburg job. Yeah, he's still, of course, uh, very young and, and breaking records, not just with the youngest 11s in Champions League football, but also being one of the younger managers to get involved uh, in football at that highest level. And I think there's something quite interesting about the fact that obviously Julian Nagelsmann has been sacked by Bayern very recently. And you heard these stories about the players saying they needed, or, or rumours, of course, that the players said that they were looking for kind of a father figure in the dressing room. And they didn't like the fact that Nagelsmann was just quite a youthful uh, man because he's a young man. And then it seems to be the complete opposite at Salzburg, where um, Jessler's not the first who's got this kind of uh, rapport with the players in that he works well with them on a personal level. And, and that's always been a really key part of, of the sort of the last five, six, seven years of Salzburg development. When you're bringing through these young players, it's about finding that way to, to give them the, the trust and, and give them the, the space, as you said, like as a finishing school. So you can play in the Champions League without huge pressure on your shoulders rather than seeing it as a, as a, a huge risk to step into that kind of arena. I'd also add that there are some rumours in the newspapers at the moment, notably in the Salzburger Nachrichten here in Austria, that Matthias Jessler might actually be leaving in the summer. And just like you have quite a big turnaround with the players in Austria, you also have quite a big turnaround with the coaches. Marco Rosa was only here a couple of years, the same for Jesse Marsh as well. And I think this season has probably, by Salzburg's very high standards, been a little bit disappointing because as good as their league form has been, they were knocked out of the Champions League group stages. That may be expected, but then they fell at the first hurdle in the Europa League. They also got knocked out of the Austrian Cup in the quarterfinals by Sturm Graz, who have probably been their biggest rivals this season. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later. But I think that some of that has led to suggestions that Matthias Jessler might leave in the summer. And Gerhard Struber, the former Wolfsburg and Barnsley manager, has been linked with a return. He has a Salzburg past. So it will be interesting to see if Jesler stays beyond the summer. Yes, certainly. That would be very interesting. Uh, obviously, Struber having that that very Red Bull-centric managerial CV. Um, and um, yeah, Jesler, I think it, it wouldn't be surprising considering the, the, the names that you've listed there, your Rosas, your Marshes, your you know those types of of coaches who have who've as you say you know cut their teeth in European football at Salzburg and then gone on to to manage in the Bundesliga and, and, and the Premier League. Um, you know we, we touched ever so slightly on that Liefering connection just then. Obviously the the feeder club, the satellite club, whatever you want to call it, who operate in the second tier in Austria. Um, you know a lot of the players that that are signed by FC Red Bull Salzburg. You know they they're signed at you know seventeen eighteen and then sent to to sent to Liefering. I mean pretty much every success story, bar you know your your Harlands and your real standouts, um, 
has, has, has gone through that leafering pathway to begin with. You know, Karim Adeyemi, I remember playing in, in that in that team before he broke through for, for Salzburg and while he was still um, doing really well for, for, for the, the under-19 team in the youth league. Um, you know, in terms of that connection this year, how many have, have moved up to the first team fold? Are there any in particular who've really taken the, the Bundesliga by storm after, after you know, impressing for, for Liefering? I'd say, as you mentioned, the UEFA Youth League, uh, Dion Kameri, the midfielder, was instrumental in uh, Salzburg getting to the Youth League final pretty recently. A really good, smart passer, very good player between the lines as well in midfield. And he's only 18 and he's one of the relatively few in terms of prospects coming through Red Bull as well, who are actually Austrian. So Kameri's definitely one to look out for. Um, he's only played six times in the Bundesliga this season. He's still uh, mixing between Liefering and the, the top flight side, really, um, and mostly not getting uh, getting starts, of course, in the Bundesliga. But he's already got a goal and an assist, and he's definitely one of those that I think is uh, right in the middle of making that journey up between um, Liefering and, and Salzburg. I think some of the problems that Kameri has faced in this season as well is that he's had a couple of injuries that have kept him sidelined just when he seems to be building a little bit of momentum. So he actually became, I think, the second youngest Austrian to start a Champions League game behind David Alaba on match day one this season. And then since then, he sort of had a shoulder problem, then a knee problem more recently. And I think if he hadn't had those, he might have had a, a few more minutes. So that's probably been sort of the biggest the biggest downside for him in his first season, mixing it with the first team. And then there's also a couple of others as well. You have Karim Konate, who recently scored his first Bundesliga goal, and Rocco Simic, who has been lent out to FC Zurich, uh, loaned out, sorry, to FC Zurich in the Swiss Super League. But he's been doing fairly well there. So we might see him back in a Salzburg shirt soon as well. I think Konate is definitely a good one to mention there, Lee. Um, Ivorian, 19-year-old, He's just been banging in the goals in the second division for Liefering basically this season. So if uh, if Kameri is sort of already on the path towards becoming a, a top player, I think Konate is just taking that step forward and announcing himself at Liefering that he'll be one of the next big players. You'd expect there'll be more turnover in the transfer windows to come for Salzburg, as there always is. And surely Konate will be one of those players who comes in to fill the gaps uh, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, Konate is one that we followed at Scouted during his, his exploits in the, the UEFA Youth League. Um, and is again, he's, he's one who immediately stands out. Uh, I think we mentioned him on this on this podcast, uh, might have been a year ago, when um, he was still at Asik Mimosas in in, in, um, in Ivory Coast, um, provided I haven't mixed up uh, my, uh, my, my young Ivorian talents there. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, the, 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 the players that you mentioned just before, um, Lucas uh, Gona Duat, uh, the defensive midfielder, he's somebody who I just wanted to, to briefly touch on because you know people might not have heard of him, certainly not outside of France and Austria, um, but is by by rights a, a very very talented player. Um, and I just wanted to get a bit more information on you know what type of player is he, you know what type of defensive midfielder, what are his his key strengths and, and, and attributes. Well, he's a sort of box-to-box player is how I'd describe him best. I was looking online a little earlier and quite a few descriptions in the Austrian media sort of comparing him to a Paul Pogba-style player at the time he signed for the club. And I can kind of see that. He's good at carrying the ball forward. He's got good physique, uncompromising with his his challenges. He's got a good aerial presence as well. Uh, Yeah, likes to break through the pressing lines with dribbling runs. So he's sort of got 
a lot of very good qualities for a very young player. He's also got quite a lot of experience because before he came to Salzburg, he played something like 60 games in Ligue 1 for Saint-Étienne. So he's sort of young and experienced and with a lot of good qualities. I'd say perhaps the only thing he might be missing at this stage of his career is that he's not really turning that into so much output in terms of goals and assists. But then again, he is more of a holding player who who sort of makes those runs forward. So yeah, perhaps that's something that he'll develop at a later stage. Yeah, I think we. I mean, we could probably dedicate an entire episode to uh, to, to Salzburg and their, their young players. Um, but you know, despite their their recent dominance, certainly over the last decade, um, there are several historic clubs still battling it out in uh, in Austrian and European football. Um, you know, all of whom are, are contained within the, the Championship group as it is this season. You know, you've got SK Rapid Vienna, Austria Vienna, Sturm Graz, uh, and you know, more recently Lask as well. Um, certainly, the standout from from my perspective this season. Is uh, is Lask's Keito Nakamura, you know, Japanese forward, twenty two years old, um, as yet uncapped by the national team, or at certainly, uh, certainly will be in the near future if he hasn't already during this international break. You know, eleven goals, I think it is in the in the Austrian Bundesliga this year, uh, an additional three in the cup, and seven assists as well across all competitions. So he's a bit of a dual threat. You know, watching this Lask team this season, what is what has Nakamura been like, and and since bursting onto the scene. Uh, he did make his uh, Japan debut happily in this international break as well. He was called up for the first time. So it was really nice to see um, f- from our side that he was recognised by the Samurai Blue. And that's not bad at all at 22 years of age. And also, it's a sign for playing in Austria. You know, sometimes I think people would think that playing in Austria makes it hard to get recognised by your national association. So that's really good. But He's got 11 goals and six assists in 21, making him the most valuable player in terms of goal-scoring contributions in the league. Um, and it's not just Salzburg who do the kind of second division um, blooding of their players, I suppose you'd call it, because Lask do it as well. They've got a junior club, as have um, several of the, the big sides in Austria. But Lask are the only ones really who seem to use theirs like Salzburg do in that they use them as a place to bring their new signings and to start with their new signings. The other clubs tend to use their second teams more like the way uh, as a pathway between the academy and the first team, for example, so the more classic route. Whereas Lask signed uh, Nakamura from Gamba Osaka for just 500,000. And then they started him there. And now he's, over the last 18 months or so, just sort of gradually broken through. We saw him last season starting to look very good and showing flashes of brilliance, but he didn't quite have the consistency and he didn't have the run in the first team. But this season, he's absolutely been given the run in the first team. Definitely one of the first names on the team sheet. A really good dribbler in tight spaces. He's one of those those players that catches your eye quite often when you're watching the game, because even if he's over at the far side of the pitch, you see them go into sort of a tight cul-de-sac with three or four players around them. And you think, who's going to get out of there with the ball? And oftentimes it is Nakamura who comes away with it. Really good vision as well to use that space once he's broken away from a couple of players. Tends to do well with uh, combination passing around the edge of the penalty area. And so his chance creation is a really good statistic as well as his goals. So what he's got at the moment that that really is helping Lask is just consistency in all areas of the final third, really. So definitely uh, the right player to pick out, I think, and probably the the biggest star almost in terms of this season in Austria. We mentioned that Salzburg have a, a huge amount of stars, but they don't really have one singular focus this season as they've had for a few seasons in the past. So in that sense, you'd probably say that Nakamura is is maybe the standout. 
Yeah, as well. I mean, he's not the only one at Lask who, certainly not even from an attacking sense, who, who's been pulling up trees, so to speak. Um, you know, you've got teammate Marin Lubicic, the 21-year-old Croatian, you know, signed for around 3 million euros after an initial successful loan from, from Hajduk Split. And I was thinking, looking at that figure, 3 million euros is probably quite a lot of money for for um, for, for a team like, like Lask. Yeah, he might even be their record signing. Perhaps Tom's got something on that, but I think that probably is sort of the most Lask would pay for a player, really. And he initially joined the club on loan last summer and made such a, a strong start to the season. He had something like nine goals in his first six league games. And then I think he got a red card in the Upper Austrian derby against Reed, And the goal trail sort of tailed off a little bit. But that, that didn't stop the club from making the move permanent. And I think he's probably going to be along with Nakamura, one of their, yeah, one of their ones to watch in the coming seasons. They tend to uh, protect the transfer fee officially in Austria. You don't tend to see uh, exactly how much that clubs pay for their players. Um, I know that's standard practice elsewhere, but then often you get the, you know, you do eventually get the official confirmation. In Austria, that's tended to be shrouded in mystery. So we certainly haven't seen an official announcement that Lubicic is the biggest spend from Lask, but I'm sure he, he absolutely must be just given the financial realities of the squad before the last couple of years. And you're right, Joe, to say it's a massive amount of money for Austrian football. But I think Lask have sort of got the right side of this risk reward thing because I'm sure that Lubicic despite as Lee said trailing off a bit in terms of the goals scored in the last few months I think he'll already be worth a whole lot more than they paid for him a lot of Portuguese clubs are rumored to be interested in him um, Liverpool trailing Nakamura by the way as well apparently but um, yeah in terms of Lubicic you know four goals in the cup 11 in the league the dribbling has been good. Um, he plays with both feet as well, which is handy. He tends to be very, very good when he gets on the ball inside the area. So he offers a bit of a different threat to Nakamura. But um, his consistency, as we said, is the is the difference. Whereas Nakamura has performed at a high level, even in games where Lask have gone on to lose. We've seen from Lubicic that perhaps when Lask find their flow, he's a much more dangerous player. He really helps uh, an inform Lask side turn form and pressure into goals. Whereas um, if Lask if Lask struggle to to produce, he doesn't seem to be able to at the moment uh, take the win. You know, take the game by the scruff of his neck. Uh, no, take the game by the scruff of the neck and uh, secure a win for his team. Just just looking at sort of their the positions that either of them will play, you know, Nakamura can also play sort of off the off from a from a wider starting position. Is Lubicic more of a conventional centre forward than him? Certainly more so than Nakamura. That's right. Yeah, Nakamura uh, prefers this kind of uh, wing forward space. You know, maybe uh, one of the wider positions in the front three. Whereas Lubicic will be a more central player, dropping back uh, down the down the middle channel mainly if he's coming back into the uh, into the action to try and win the ball earlier on and and push on forward. But yeah, definitely a more conventional centre forward than than Nakamura. I mean, we've discussed uh, Salzburg, we've discussed Lask and, and a couple of interesting players at, at both of those clubs. But I mean, beyond that, my, my knowledge of Austrian football is, is very much, is very limited. Um, so this is probably the part where I'm going to have to delegate to you guys. But, you know, any midfielders, defenders, I mean, even forwards, I mean, we've had we've had a couple of those in the, the, the two clubs we've covered already. But any other players from the other sides, potentially those in the championship group, but also the relegation group that you know, under the age of 23 have really stood out this season because, you know, it's, it is a very, very talented league. Um, and you do see players making the move, not just from Salzburg and, and Lask, 
uh, to, to other top European leagues as well. I mentioned earlier that Salzburg were knocked out of the cup by Sturm Graz this season, and they are also their closest challengers in the league. And I think Sturm Graz have got several really promising young players. I'd probably highlight Brian Teixeira, who is a wing forward from Cape Verde, who was actually signed from another Austrian Bundesliga club, Austria Lustenau, over the winter break. So Austria Lustenau were the promoted club this season from Vorarlberg in the far west of the country. And Brian Tashira made a really promising start to the season. He's just got really good ball-carrying abilities in that wing-forward position, got a really good eye for a pass and a cross. Also has a sort of an old-school element of wing play to him where he sort of likes to get to the byline and cut the ball back into the box. And he has something like six goals and six assists, some for Lustenau and some now for, for Sturm Graz. So he's sort of prolific in both areas, whether it's scoring himself and setting goals up. I'd say he's probably my favourite Sturm Graz player at the moment. I think Teixeira is a great one there because he technically covers both the relegation round and the championship round. But for me, uh, I think my favourite Austrian player this season overall who's breaking through is Alexander Prass, a 21-year-old midfielder at Sturm Graz to stick with uh, Sturm, as, uh, as we've said, you know, Salzburg's biggest competitors this season. But he's played all the games now this season in the league. 22 appearances from 22 games. Um, really good for, for a young player to be getting those kind of minutes already. He's just made his Austria debut as well. So um, definitely on an upward trajectory there. But he, I think what makes him interesting is that he could be the one who got away kind of for Salzburg. And that doesn't happen all that often because he was actually a Lask youth player and then a Salzburg academy player. And then he graduated through to Liefering and then didn't make the step up and Sturm have taken him from there and he's now got eight assists this season that's including five in the league he's also scored in Champions League qualification Europa League games and cup games uh, sorry assisted in those games so he's just generally looked really really good he's one of those players that looks uh, beyond his years uh, you'd think he was an experienced midfielder you might you might think he was the captain if you were just sort of scanning a Sturm Graz game and then to find out that he's 21 and is just kind of breaking into the team is quite something so I think he's a real eye-catcher and then up front for Sturm I think Emmanuel Emiga has to be worth noting 20 year old Dutch centre forward I think something that's interesting for him is that he came over for 1.5 million again a quite significant sum which Sturm can afford because they've had great young players like Yeboa coming through and they've sold Hoyland now, but they bought Emiga before they sold Hoyland, to be fair. But they paid 1.5 mil uh, to Royal Antwerp for him. But his finishing, strangely, has been something that has been lacking for Emiga. His movement has been absolutely brilliant. His vision has been very, very good as well. You've got other players in the league saying, watch out for this guy. He's world-class and he's got all the abilities. You know, when, when Sturm Graz beat teams, they, they often talk about Emiga and what kind of a threat that he brings. But he's just had a lot of stick this year, a lot of criticism. And I think that's been quite difficult for him to deal with. And he seems to have just turned this corner in 2023 and started turning good movement and good vision into finishing and, and actually scoring goals as well. So Emiga is uh, is another one definitely worth watching at, at Sturm Graz and uh, for the Netherlands youth national teams as well. Um, there's one player who currently is not playing in, in the the Austrian Bundesliga, but is playing in Austria, who um, has certainly caught eyes at, at scouted. Um, not mine, but but those of, of Lou Davies, who is, uh, is very has a telescopic view of, of football across Europe. Um, and that's Fali Mayulu. Um, he is uh, has been playing for for Blauweiss Linz in in the second tier, 
um, and has agreed a, a move to uh, SK Rapid Vienne um, in, uh, I think it's in the summer. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's a forward. He, I think he's 20 or 21 years old, um, around six foot four inches tall. Um, and, you know, has, has really, really surprising mobility, good movement. Um, he's a good ball striker. And, and you know, the, the currency that we judge strikers in goals, you know, he's been he's been finding the back of the net. Um, you know, he's had an interesting career tra- trajectory released by Lens and then uh, and then Wolfsburg before ending up at Blauweiss um, about 12 months ago. So um, I think him making the step up to, to the Bundesliga probably will be, well, hopefully anyway, considering that we've mentioned him on this pod, that hopefully someone that in a year's time we can look back on and say, well, you know what, that was um, it was it was quite a it was quite a good a good prediction. But uh, have either of you seen any of, of Mayulu or have heard anything in sort of your, your Austrian football circles? Yeah, he's very much a, a rapid signing at the moment. The way that Rapid have have sort of budgeted in recent seasons has been to simply scan who's doing well in either the, the bottom six round in the Bundesliga or maybe who's doing well in the second division and act aggressively to sign them up on free transfers at the end of their current contractual periods. It's a, a sort of an unfortunate uh, reality of life in Austrian football that the bigger teams like Rapid can do that and then the smaller teams don't receive any or, or much money for their, their prized assets. But Fale Mayulu definitely is the prized asset for Blauweiss Linz this season. They're going for promotion. They're right at the top of the second division, joint with um, St. Poten on points as we record this. So there's a big chance that Blauweiss Linz will actually be promoted. They're building a new stadium as well. So things are looking very good for them, but they will lose Mayulu. Um, as you mentioned, of course, a tall striker he's been the target in the second division which is a notoriously kind of uh, physical league shall we say he's been the target for a lot of long passes and uh, he's used those flick on headers to just create attacks and and lead on attacks for Blauweiss Linz and it's worked very very effectively but you know he's got nine goals and six assists in his 20 games as well so it shows that um, he's got both sides of that he's not one of those strikers uh, like Marcus Pink the top scorer in the Bundesliga this season I think he's yet to get an assist after 15 goals so Mayuli's got a bit of both he's not really a presser though he's quite a passive attacker at the moment and that would be something that also suits the way that Rapid play. He's not um, moving to a club where he's going to be desperately needed to press high. However, he will need some improvements in the Bundesliga. Watch out for his long throw-ins as well, by the way. <laughs> he likes to launch a throw-in into the box, which is uh, interesting because he's dangerous on either side of those. He can either be on the other end of that, of course, as well, or uh, or get the ball into the box. But Mayulu, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes in the Bundesliga next season for sure. And he'll add to a very long list, actually, of good young talents at Rapid. It's interesting that we've not really mentioned Rapid because the talents are maybe less um, notable in terms of international transfers or international potential transfers right now. But actually, from, from goalkeeper, defenders, midfielders and forwards, Rapid have got good young players coming through uh, all over the shop. So in terms of having a, a well-functioning academy, Rapid are definitely in a, a good, strong position right now. Uh, just before we we finish uh, this week's episode, and, and if this hasn't uh, whet your appetite enough uh, for, for a little taste of, of Austrian football, uh, I would obviously implore anyone who hasn't listened to the, the other Bundesliga podcast with uh, with Lee and Tom before to, to tune into that uh, or simply to follow the Twitter page just to keep up to date with everything that's happening there. Um, you guys also run uh, the Sweeper pod as well. Um, Lee, what, what is the, the premise of the Sweeper? Um, you know, we've seen it. I mean, I've seen it on, on Twitter uh, with the, the fantastic threads that you do uh, as well. What is the, what is the, the Sweeper? 
Yeah, so the sweeper is basically an attempt to really have a pan-European look at football across the continent, not just your top five leagues, which you might get in a number of podcasts, but really go deep and explore some corners of, of UEFA countries that we really don't know that much about, the likes of Kazakhstan, San Marino, you know, what's going on there, the sort of quirky, random, fun stories. We On our recent episode, we talked about a penalty shootout in the Norwegian Cup that got interrupted by a fan throwing a snowball. We've talked about prisoners getting on, uh, getting out for a day in Romania to go and watch a top flight game. We've talked about, you know, you focus on young players here, Joe. There's um, Kazumira, the 56-year-old Japanese forward who's just signed for a club in Portugal's second tier. So we're sort of trying to keep an eye on all of these random and, and quirky stories from lesser known corners of Europe and sort of bring them into focus. Yeah, I really wasn't aware of the um, the... The, the Romanian prisoners being allowed out for the day, going to watch the football on day release. That's quite quite interesting. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for for joining me on uh, this episode of the Scouted Podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure to to recap some Austrian football stories. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, uh, do follow the guys at the other Bundesliga and at the Sweeper Pod. Um, I can't recommend them highly enough. This has been uh, the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in, and bye for now.